Welcome to I'll Be Dashed, a Woodhouse podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Scott. And we are a father-daughter duo who are analyzing the works of P.G. Woodhouse. I think analyze may be a too fancy a word for what we do, but yes. We are a father-daughter duo who are bullshitting about the works of P.G. Woodhouse. <laughs> that seems more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. And today we're talking about uh, Mike at Rankin. Uh, Mike at Rankin is the first part of a novel called Mike, uh, which includes both Mike at Rankin and Mike and Smith. Um, it has been published as the two books, so we decided to do them separately than all together. And based on some of the conversations that Robin and I have had, which we try not to talk too much about the books, but it's very hard for us not to talk about books when we talk. But we wanted to make sure uh, that we save it for here. But based on the conversations that we've had, it, it's probably a good idea for us to have split them up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what this would have ended up like if I, I don't know. I probably like Mike the novel as a as the entirety. Like I would probably like it more. Yeah. Interestingly enough, there are several indications that this is actually Woodhouse's favorite novel. That's so weird to me. <laughs> Woodhouse was also a lifelong cricket fan and played quite a bit. So uh, that right. may have that makes, something to do with it. I guess that makes more sense. But right. so I, I'm just going to head this off. I did not enjoy this book a lot. <laughs> like the other books that we've read all of them were like 4.5 out of 5 this one got a 3.5 and i was i just made a little comment to dad before we started recording that like if you just take the cricket out this would have been a 4.5 cuz i i liked the school i liked the characters i liked the school plot just the <laughs> just all the cricket and i'm so sorry for people who enjoy cricket whether it's watching or playing I just don't understand it, and that makes me not like it. I, I think it's the same, like, if you throw anybody who's not been exposed to any type of game mm -hmm. and, and just throw them into it. Mm -hmm. It's it's like when you get a new board game, it's like you, you yeah. are like, I don't understand this. And like, when you play it and you get used to it, then you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, but if you're playing it and you still don't understand it, then you're not going to enjoy the game. Yeah. It, before we read this book, neither of us had really any experience with cricket at all. The only cricket I really had experience was reading another Woodhouse book, <laughs> which he doesn't go in as much as he does in this one, and just a few cricket terms like sticky wicket. I, I've always <laughs> heard sticky wicket, but I didn't really like, it's one of those terms you hear, but you don't really like, oh, where'd that come from? It, now I know. <laughs> yeah. So, again, very sorry. I'm probably going to make a lot of, like, snide comments about cricket. I'm sure it's actually a really enjoyable game if you know anything about it. But I don't, and I I tried. <laughs> I, 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 watched, I watched some clips of cricket, which did not help. I asked people around me that are more knowledgeable of sports if they knew anything about cricket. They didn't. 
and I'm also just let's just say I'm just a stupid American that is not exposed to sports outside of our like national treasures of football and baseball. It's okay. <laughs> we just have a, a a fairly large portion of our fan bases in India where cricket and England. <laughs> so so well, that's why I wanted to get that apology out of the way. It's like I'm very sorry. Sponsorship. <laughs> God, if we got sponsored by a, like a cricket company or team, I don't know how that would work. It's <laughs> just like, sure, we can get sponsored. Oh, I'll and... gladly mention their names. Just don't expect <laughs> me to understand it. Unless somebody wants to take me to a cricket game and explain it to me. While sure. we watch it, more than happy to do that. Not one, one of the long games like they used to have <laughs> in England, where it's like up to five days long. Not, no, I will not do that. But <laughs> I was going to talk a little bit about cricket later, but you know, I'll, I'll get into it after we go into uh, a little bit about the novel, Mike, and then before we start uh, going into the uh, book itself, Mike was published in 1909. It was uh, ser- serialized in uh, two parts of a magazine called The Captain. The first part was originally called Jackson Jr. and eventually became Mike at Riken, which is the book we're reading this week. Uh, the second half was originally called The Lost Lambs. It then became Enter Smith and finally Mike and Smith. Smith is spelled with a P at the beginning. And I do pronounce it in my head, and I've said it to Dad where I said P. Smith. Uh, I, I, I kind of say it like I like the Japanese say you. They say it, but you don't really hear it unless you're Japanese. If you're an American trying to listen to there is a wrestler called uh Shinsuke Nakamura, but Shinsuke uh-huh. has a U in it. Okay. You don't hear it, but yeah. If a Japanese person said it, apparently you would it's there. Okay. <laughs> I don't hear it, but it's there. Sure. So how do you say it? How do you say how do you say his name? <laughs> I say it with silent P at the beginning. So you don't say it? <laughs> I do. Oh my god. Yeah, in my head <laughs> it's P. It. In my head it's P. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll get introduced to him in the next book that we read, uh, which is Mike and Smith. I think a lot of the reasons that Woodhouse says this not says he's he's no longer with us but he said that this was his favorite novel is because of smith uh smith is apparently one of his favorite characters we we will see the evolution of smith in jackson uh starting with the next book i won't get too much into that because there's a lot of things to say about jackson that has to do with smith but you don't know that yet about mike yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, is, is he referred to as Jackson in like in the next book? Sometimes. Okay. I mean, I know he was referred to as like Jackson or Young Jackson or something like quite a bit in this novel as well. Yeah, and of course, you know, <laughs> obviously, Mike Jackson, Michael Jackson, common name for us, one of the uh, journeyman pitchers for the Philadelphia Phillies back in the day. Is obviously you knew that. Yes, absolutely. I know a ton of. <laughs> that was sports. the first person you thought of when you saw Mike Jackson. Yes, I also definitely thought of Michael Jackson, the pop singer. 
I, I really didn't. I had no association with, with this my This is an indication that I, I'm much older than my daughter, which works out, obviously. I would hope so. <laughs> Obviously, Mike Jackson is a character in several books by Woodhouse. Every book that he is in after Mike at Rankin also involves Smith. He's in, obviously, Mike and Smith, and then he's in Smith and the City, Smith Journalist, and finally Leave it to Smith, which is also a Blanding's Castle novel. His um, spotlight in the books kind of decrease over time. Mike's? Yeah, he, he's the main character in the next novel. He's kind of co-main character in Smith and the City. He's very much a supporting character in Smith Journalist. And leave it to Smith, he's pretty much just the catalyst to get Smith's story going. Okay. And then after that, they, they no longer appear in the novels. Mm -hmm. Or I don't believe they have any short stories either. So mm -hmm. it's just the four to five novels, depending on how you count the mic sections. Do we want to talk a little bit about cricket or do we just want to kind of go with it as we go? I mean... <laughs> you can't see it, but <laughs> Robin's kind of wincing. <laughs> I, I just, I look so uncomfortable right now. Um, I We can, but I also like, I don't know what purpose talking about cricket outside of the context of the story will serve because <laughs> it still won't make any sense to me honestly i was i was ready to move on but just seeing how uncomfortable you are talking about cricket makes me think that we should talk about cricket that was rude <laughs> well no one can see it so. <laughs> they know what you did <laughs> no they don't <laughs> a lot of mike at Riken and mike and smith and some of the follow-up novel, Smith and the City, involves cricket to set Robin's mind at ease. This is the most cricket that we get. There's a little bit of cricket in the next one. And then, then Smith and the City, it, it plays a part, but it's not really what the book is about. Are there full chapters devoted only to cricket? Um, it's been a while since I read Smith in the City. I don't believe so. Okay. There, there are like sections of the chapter that kind of goes over what happened in the game, but it, it's more like it, it's more like a box score than you know a story. Which <laughs> kind of play by play. <laughs> yeah. So this, I believe, will be the most cricket that you get in any Woodhouse book. I sure hope so. There are a few school stories that I haven't read, so it's possible that they may contain more cricket. But of what I read, this is the most cricket. <laughs> he does have a novel called The Gold Bat, which I'm kind of like, bat? That could be cricket. <laughs> it could also be the animal. <laughs> oh, I, so I have to tell you a funny story before, before you get into cricket. You'll appreciate this. So. One of my friends was over last night watching March Madness with my husband. And I had already asked my husband if he knew anything about cricket because he usually knows a lot about sports, especially like obscure sports, which cricket is not obscure in it's other parts of the world. It's the most popular sport in the world and you're calling it obscure. We are, it's, we're going to get we're, we're such Americans. Um, <laughs> obscure to American sports. Thanks. Um <laughs> And my, my husband 
he only knows a couple of things. He's tried to understand cricket and he couldn't but understand it. Cricket, he's usually smart in other ways. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I, I sort of took like if he can't understand cricket and then explain it to me, then I have no hopes of trying to understand it. But I went ahead and asked our friend because he is also like a, a sports person. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know about cricket. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Tell me what you know. And so he got up. He's like, yeah, you know, you you hit the ball like this. But he's like swinging like a golf swing. And I'm like, I don't know a lot about cricket, but I think that's not right. Well, I mean, I, I'm like, granted, it could be. Because <laughs> well, I know I know the ball bounces. And yeah, so you and have that's to, why it could be like. Yeah. And so he's, and then our, my friend keeps talking a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, again, I don't know a lot, but I know some things. And then my husband's like, I think you're talking about croquet. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friend was like, oh, yeah, I am talking about croquet, not cricket. Sorry. <laughs> now I kind of want a novel based on, you know, uh, croquet game at a, a boarding school <laughs> you know i think i would have better luck at understanding that which i also don't really understand croquet but i also haven't tried so but anyway <laughs> Crichton has 2.5 billion fans which is about 30 percent of the world so super obscure <laughs> yes barely anybody's heard of it <laughs> I'm so sorry to everyone who likes cricket. <laughs> you know, I, I know a little bit about it. I know, you know, you got what looks like a punishment paddle that you're out there with. Yes. Um, you got, got the, uh, oh, I've forgotten what they were called, but you got the poles and then you got the bales on top of them. Isn't that the wicket? I think the entire thing is the wicket. But oh, the wicket's also the field, I think. I, I, I thought the field was the field. The field is the field, but it's also the pitch. <laughs> okay. Stumps. They're called stumps. The sticks are called oh. stumps. <laughs> okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> I, I'm going to just stop there because I've already shown up. Even though... I know because I've researched a little more than you. I still know very little. <laughs> this, is, this is like one of the things where we're like, you know, we can bullshit our way through a lot of things. We can't bullshit our way through the second most popular sport in the world. Uh, it, it's going to be, they did good on that cricket thing. <laughs> <laughs> they hit the ball? Yeah. That's the goal. There are two batsmen. Um, so confusing. Yeah, and there are eleven players on defense, I believe, including uh, the bowler, which is yeah. What, okay, explain to me what the bowler is. The bowler, because... the pitcher, basically. Okay, that's what I thought. Where is he? If there, if there are two batsmen and you... they're like facing each other, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, but. Okay. Okay, there, there's the pitch, which is you got the uh, the stumps on both sides, uh -huh. and then there's the batsman that's standing in front of the stumps because uh -huh. he, in addition to wanting to hit the ball, he also wants to 
prevent the stumps from getting the bales knocked off, which is those two little things on top of the stumps. Okay. So the bowler will be on one side of the uh, stumps, coming in, kind of running in. Yeah. And getting the ball over to the other batsman. Not the first one? Well, no, not the one he's standing right next to. Oh. <laughs> and, well, that's that's why I was that's why I was asking. <laughs> Where is he? No, the one on the opposite side. So of he's the standing pit. next to the other batsman. It, yeah, he he's actually like he's coming in from the field up oh. to the stumps and a little bit past. There's like a uh, a line that they can't cross. Mm-hmm. So he's got to throw before he crosses that line and i, I okay. think he's not allowed to cross it at all but i could be wrong at that it, it okay. may be just that he can't cross it before he throws the ball but okay. i could be wrong about that i, I literally <laughs> watched stephen fry in a video like talk about the laws of cricket and he kept giving all these exceptions to stuff so like this is the law except in this case on this case on this case yeah <laughs> So it's like the whole like I before E, except after C. But then there are a lot of other words. Don't, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, there are different versions. There's, I believe, what it's called. Uh, I didn't write down what it was called, but <laughs> there's different versions. Yeah. Well, there's like the five day version, which I was talking to you about. There's the one-day version, which I believe is what they use, which basically, I think the way they play it is like from like 10 in the morning to like 6.45 or something. It, it, even the one-day version is a long game. The short version, which is a modern concept and which has kind of gotten its popularity in India really high up, is called 2020 or T20, which is basically like a three-hour game. I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, so I won't explain it because there will be people listening going, you got that all wrong. So, <laughs> But it, it, it looks, if, if I was going to watch a cricket game, I would probably find one of those and watch it because it looks really interesting. It, it's got like, like basically like a halftime show or something that's essentially like a Super Bowl presentation. I think... <laughs> I think we should probably just move on because this is just going to be an entire podcast about how we don't understand cricket. I pulled up a, I pulled up a clip. Oh, are you pulling up a clip of the T20 or? Yeah. Okay. So there are three stumps. There are three stumps and there should be two bales. Yeah. On top. Okay. So, okay. What I watched because I, I watched a clip yesterday. Because I'm like, I can't even visualize what this looks like. And it looked, I mean, it looked similar, but I think the picture wasn't great. And so I was, it did, it was not helpful. But the, the T20, you're right. It does paint a better picture. <laughs> oh, wow. That's actually really big. <laughs> What's really big? <laughs> we the, you're looking at it. Sorry. The, the pitch, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're talking or, about the pitch of the entire field because there should be no like, just the just the pitch. This okay, long square, yeah, rectangle is what a, that a is. long square. 
Yeah, the rectangle. <laughs> okay, okay. So, all right. I just What's need to at math. <laughs> I just need to be able to picture. It. All right, yeah. So let's just talk about the novel because otherwise this is going to turn into a cricket podcast. <laughs> Two idiots discuss cricket <laughs> very poorly. <laughs> Okay, well, well, we will be talking more about cricket as we go over the novel. Just be aware. Because you can't not. <laughs> yeah, if you are a cricket fan, we don't know anything about cricket. So there are going to be some times where we talk about something. We're probably going to get it wrong. And there's probably going to be parts that are confusing to us. So if we basically go yada, 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 somebody won, you know. <laughs> that was a hell of a chapter to get through. <laughs> There are at least three chapters. <laughs> that is just cricket. All right. So moving on from cricket to cricket. More cricket. Anyway. Yeah, the book opens with cricket. It opens with breakfast. Don't... It opens with breakfast where they talk about cricket. <laughs> so the Jackson family, which I will not name all the Jacksons <laughs> because there are quite a few Jacksons. I just made Robin do a spit take. Sorry, because we were talking about Michael Jackson earlier. They used to the Jackson family, which made me think of like the Jackson Five. <laughs> I think there are five brothers, so yeah. I think there are two. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think I name them at some point. Let's see. Oh, okay. Well, the siblings are Reggie, Frank, Bob, Mike, Gladys, Ella, and Marjorie. So four brothers? So there's four brothers and three sisters. Um, but they are sitting at the breakfast table, except for Mike, who is often late for breakfast. And Mr. Jackson talks about how Mike is going to be at Riken this year, as his older brothers have. But Mike is, for the most part, an ordinary boy, except that he's quite gifted at cricket. He's better than his brother Bob, and perhaps on par, or possibly sometime eventually going to be better than his brother Joe, who's quite a good cricket player it, is it cricket player or is it cricketeer that's exactly what i was thinking or is it cricketer i i like cricketeer because it makes me think of musketeers and that's just <laughs> i picture him wearing little mouse Can you picture, are you picturing mice playing cricket <laughs> well i am now you're welcome <laughs> um, I think we went off the rails a lot quicker than we did in the last one. Yeah, last time it took at least 30 minutes. <laughs> so Mike is going to Riken this year, where his brother Bob also is going. Bob's 18, and as with most Woodhouse family members, doesn't really want to deal with his family. Although that that does kind of change in the novel. This This novel, to me, is perhaps like some of the most family i've seen in a woodhouse novel at least family that is somewhat getting along that's what i was thinking i don't know about the getting along part i mean i i think that yes they do but i had made a note somewhere about how like this was the first time i had seen siblings actually like interact in a woodhouse novel yes and so that was that was different and i, I actually liked it i liked the way that he portrayed the relationship between mike and bob yeah, I was a little bit surprised just because, like I said, I've I've read so much Woodhouse. I think I'm around 60 books now, and very seldom is familial relationships 
as close as it is in this one. And I'm not saying they're real close. I mean, they're brothers who are like three years apart. So, but they act like brothers who are three years apart. Okay. So Mike is 15 then. Mike is 15. Okay. Uh, Bob is 18. So I had it in my head that he was 12 for some reason. Mike? Yeah. I don't know why. No, I'm pretty. I, I... <laughs> I don't know why. It's just in, in my head that he was 12. I mean, I guess I could see that. Not, I'm not saying that he necessarily acts like a 12-year-old, although I don't think he acts like a 15-year-old. You know what? I think that ages in Woodhouse don't matter. I mean, oftentimes I, they don't. I think it's another facet of his timelessness. He's like, <laughs> the time in the world doesn't matter. The, the age doesn't matter. I, I just think you've been flummoxed by the cricket. <laughs> There's so much cricket. It, like, it hurt my brain so much. Yeah. All right. Continue with the summary. Sorry. All right. Uh, Bob's starting his last year at Rankin, and he, he lives in another dorm. So he's comforted that he doesn't feel like he has to worry about his brother being too close to him, which we will see. Mm-hmm. Possibly not. <laughs> Yeah, I believe it mentions in the uh, that chapter itself that Mike is 15. It's quite possible. Yeah. I think just by the time I was like halfway through it, I was like, oh, he's 12. For no, for absolutely no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't give you I think an there example. is a reason, but it's something I wanted to get into later. Okay. Okay, sure. I don't think there's a reason for why I thought that. When, and, when I bring up this reason, and I'm doing that thing where that I hate, we're like, <laughs> we'll talk about it we'll later. Talk about later, yeah. But it's it's a question I want to ask you at the end of the okay book, and I want to see if you agree or you think I'm crazy, which I think it's quite <laughs> possible. It could be either one. Okay. <laughs> um, in this chapter, we're also introduced to Saunders, who is a a cricket pro who's been hired to help all the uh, Jackson boys train. I, I don't know what he's going to do after th- this because Mike's the youngest brother. Mike's the youngest. Like, does he just lose a job now? And, of <laughs> course, this is early 1900s. Girls don't play cricket, apparently. No. Although there apparently are cricket leagues for women now. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's cool, but it's still cricket. <laughs> i look i if someone could just explain cricket to me in a way that makes sense i'm sure i would really enjoy it i my cricket fans out there i think i would enjoy cricket the modern version if, uh-huh. if i understood it more yeah. i'm not a hater like robin is i don't <laughs> i don't enjoy it's hard to enjoy a book where i don't know what is happening a quarter of the time <laughs> So you don't enjoy books? Wow. <laughs> that was right there. I'm sorry. That was totally just, unfair. Just keep going with your summary. <laughs> oh, that, that that was chapter one, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, I can't keep going. I finished it. <laughs> no, I mean, that was that was all in a chapter. All the chapters in this book are fairly short. except They're the fairly chapter. short, except for the cricket ones, which take 5,000 years. <laughs> The difficult thing is, I I try to look. I have a good imagination. When I'm reading, I'm visualizing all of it, but I can't visualize cricket 
because I don't know what's happening. I'm just imagining you imagining just all this, just people swinging back <laughs> around and bowling and yeah, like, I'm just, uh, it's, it's hard to read about someone being a bowler <laughs> and not picture a bowling ball. It, I'm and like, they don't actually bowl, although. I did watch a video, which apparently was a very controversial uh, play. I believe it was, I think, 1979. Uh, it was two national teams. I won't say them because I can't remember which one, so I don't want to offend anybody. But where the guy actually rolled the ball. And oh. apparently, for some reason that I do not understand, <laughs> it was a very controversial play. So much so that people still talk about it now. Like over 40 years later. Yeah. And apparently doing that is illegal in some cricket rules, if not all. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much what I'm saying is that like I can't visualize it, which means that I don't understand, which means that I don't like it. <laughs> I I do like that you basically dropped an entire star. In your rating, just because, because of cricket. Of, because of cricket. Yeah. Essentially, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if any of our listener wants to, you know, like hit me up in the DMs and try to explain cricket to me in a way that I will understand, by all means, go for it. I, I have heard, and I say I've heard because I, I'm pretty sure I heard it somewhere, probably on some video <laughs> or something, but I can't remember where. That sure. Basically, the best way for you to understand cricket is to watch a game. Mm-hmm. with somebody who knows cricket yeah i i agree with that i mean that's how i learned about football yeah so <laughs> like, i don't know if it's obvious by now dad and i aren't super like sports savvy yeah i mean i figured because i used to love baseball that i might have some correlation that i that's would sort of, that was sort of my assumption of like i figured because i know about baseball i was wrong <laughs> that 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 would lead to some sort of correlation and it really really didn't so anyway okay so that was chapter one my first note (laughs) was uh okay so this is uh this is the other thing i had to read this book on my phone on kindle uh which means that it's harder for me to make sense of i don't know okay um my first note was the second page apparently Let me guess, was it a cricket thing? I'm assuming because my note says, what in the world did I just read? Okay, so what what was it about? Okay, hold on. Oh, sorry. It was the first paragraph. (laughs) The first paragraph of the chapter or? Yes. Okay. (laughs) This this podcast is going to be 12 hours long. (laughs) (laughs) Because (laughs) Jackson family are sitting down to breakfast. And literally the second sentence, the cricket season had not begun. (laughs) And then it just goes on about more cricket and then about how the family plays cricket. And then there's a mention of seventh century, which is points, not a hundred points. Yeah. Which is not what I initially thought when I read this as like (laughs) the six (laughs) hundreds. Yeah. So that was... (laughs) That was my first note of the book is what is happening. I also, I 
initially really liked Marjorie, the sister, who I think is closest in age to Mike. I believe she's 14. Okay. But I'm not I, I initially really liked her. Mainly because her way of, of waking up Mike when he was late for breakfast was to squeeze a sponge over him. Of course you would. <laughs> so I, I highlighted that because I was like, that's funny. Jumping in the novel is, I assume you no longer like her or. Yeah, she really, she kind of upset me. Was it the letter? Yeah. All right, we'll get into that later. I, I felt like that was, you know. Um, oh, my other note. The first mention of a, a first 11, which now that you give the context of like there are 11 players on the field, makes a little bit more sense. I, I But I just threw like, I just threw three question marks at that. Yeah, I believe it's like basically levels like, OK, the first 11 is the varsity team and the uh -huh. second 11 is the junior varsity. And then the third 11 is like the bench. I well. Let's say for sake of getting past this, yes. <laughs> Are we ever past the first chapter? Um, and then my last thing in this chapter was me highlighting. Out of, oh, it's like shortly after Mike is told that he's going to be going to Riken. And he's like, okay, great. What's under, the, what's under this serving dish? Like, he's very like, okay, like, okay, that's cool, but I want to eat. Yeah, he's a teenage boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I related to Mike in that moment, so I needed to highlight it. So Mike gets on a train to go to Riken. Uh, on the train is a boy uh, about the same size as Mike, but a few years older, who comes into Mike's carriage. Two of them don't talk, and the boy leaves the carriage at the next station. Mike, believing the boy has left the train, sees that he has left his bag. Woodhouse writes here, and here I regret to say, Mike acted from the best motives, which is always fatal. Yeah. <laughs> Believing the boy. Oh, hey, I highlighted that one. Oh, did you? I, <laughs> I, I thought that was that a great sentence. sentence. It was a really good sentence. <laughs> Believing the boy has left the train and forgotten his bag, Mike tosses the bag out the window, nearly hitting a porter. I thought he did hit a porter. It it it, it, it kind of when he first does it, it seems like he nearly hit it, and then I think, I think he kind of decides that he did because that's more amusing to him. Okay, that's fair. But either he hit him or he nearly hit him, and he eventually says that he hit him. So, okay. At the next stoppage, the boy comes back into the carriage and thinks Mike has changed carriages. Mike says he did. He didn't, so the boy wonders where his bag is. Mike tells him he threw it out the window. It's at the last station. He explains that it hit the porter, and he smiles at the thought of that, and the boy thinks he's grinning about tossing the bag out. Not a great start no. to this relationship. Uh, Bob comes in and introduces them. Apparently the other boy is Furby Smith, who Bob calls Gaziga, I believe. Uh, sure. Um, a gaziga, by the way, is apparently an animal that someone somewhat resembles a sloth. For a while in there, I thought that was his first name. <laughs> like, what a weird first name. G gaziga Furby Smith. That's what you thought yeah. his name was. Well, I mean, come on, Furby Smith. I mean, sure. One thing I found interesting about this is that it 
doesn't really come up again in the novel. The bag? Yeah. The fact that Mike threw the bag. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. Although, like I said, like this was a, a great start to this relationship. And I think yeah. you see throughout the book that like even though the bag doesn't specifically comes up, it has repercussions. <laughs> I I disagree. I think okay. that Kirby Smith would have been the same no matter what. Okay, I can see that. It just by the type of person that Furby Smith is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's not a great introduction to the two of them, but I don't believe myself. Mm-hmm. I can see why you would, but I don't believe myself that that actual event has any repercussions. Okay, that's fair. I think the repercussions are basically because of Bob. Sure, yeah. And, and, I mean, we'll get into that later, but mm-hmm. in in to be honest, Mike himself, yeah, yeah Mike invites some trouble on himself, and also just the type of person Furby Smith appears to be. Yeah, so it, it was an interesting event, but yeah, I don't think it had a lot of impact yeah. on the rest of the novel. Yeah, I would see that. Did you have anything else in this chapter, or? Um, so, like I said, I had, I had highlighted uh, Mike acted from the best motives, which is always fatal. I also highlighted life teams with embarrassing situations. This was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's almost such a quintessential uh, Woodhouse line that I'm like, I'm sure he's written it in other books. And sure, yeah. At least written a version of that in other books. Yeah. Bob and Furby Smith go to t- did we ever learn Furby Smith's actual first name? I don't think so. I don't think that we did. I don't think so. Which is one of the other reasons I thought <laughs> for a while it was Gazika. <laughs> um Bob tells Mike to find his way to school. Mike runs into Wyatt, another student who Mike had heard Bob and Furby Smith speak about. Wyatt tells him about Wayne's, which is the dorm they're in. Wayne is actually the housemaster. Mm-hmm. Also happens to be Wyatt's stepfather. Mm-hmm. We don't really find out about right away. It's like it's like it seems like people know it, but the book doesn't tell us for a <laughs> while. <laughs> I thought that was sort of like mentioned like that first day. Was it? I don't I don't I thought so. Mm. I think it's just like a throwaway comment though. I don't it think could it's like be, a big it could be one of those ones where I just missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two of them are sharing a dorm room together. They were to have a third person in there, but that person, I, I think they broke a leg or something, or there was something that kept them from coming. Mm-hmm. There are bars on the windows, and Mike wishes they weren't there, so he had the option of sneaking out, which another reason you think, well, Mike is sometimes his worst enemy. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Wyatt jerks out the middle bar, but tells Mike he can't do it. Uh, He says he's in his last term, so it doesn't matter what he does. But since Mike is in his first, it's it's like, do as I say, not as I do. There's a lot in this book by where it's, it's okay if Wyatt does it. Yeah. (laughs) Not just by Wyatt, but by like Bob and. By a lot of people. A lot of people. And I'm kind of If only Wyatt was here. That was chapter three. <laughs> this is just—I highlighted something. It's just another cricket thing, 
where I, oh, um, Michael Wire talking about, you know, his brothers and cricket and everything. And, and Mike's just like, oh, Wyatt asked, like, what was your best score? And Mike said, 123, said Mike awkwardly. And I'm like, okay, why is that your, how is that your best score? Basically, they, they stay up to bat until they get out. And they get out when the two bales fall off, it, right? Either the two bale, or I, I think it's either of them, uh, but if they get out, or if somebody catches the ball, uh-huh. or if, like, if they are trying to run, uh-huh. because the, one way to score a run is, like, to hit the ball and then run to the other uh-huh. side and cross the line with your bat before the opposing team knocks the bales down. Okay. You can, they can either knock it down while they're bowling. Uh-huh. Or they can knock it down to prevent the run from happening. I'm just seeing your eyes gloss over. I'm really, I'm really trying, Dad. So, but, okay. that so was... they can score. They theoretically can score to infinity, I guess. As okay. long as they don't get out, they get to keep batting. Okay. So, and, you know, it's a, if knock it outside the boundary. Uh-huh. The, like the big oval, yeah. It's it's six runs. And okay. If, if they do what essentially you would think of as a ground rule double, yeah. Uh, that's four runs. So okay. So like, so it can all add up. It 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 can add up. Okay. Okay. So that that's just the thing. That's the only thing I highlighted in that chapter. It's just more confusion <laughs> about cricket. <laughs> This is going to be such a long podcast. (laughs) Mike gets on cricket the next day after watching Bob not do too well. Mike does pretty well. Burgess, the captain, puts him on the under-16 team. Sure. Okay. I was like, (laughs) if you're going to go, what's under-16 mean? I think I I think I can figure that one out. <laughs> so he's uh, on the under sixteen team the following week, and then in a trial game. That was that was a fairly short chapter. Did you have anything in chapter five or chapter four? Sorry, I was just saying like, what did we get to chapter five? <laughs> <laughs> I had four things. Really? Uh, okay. <laughs> Is it cricket? <laughs> some of them are just quotes that I liked. The first one is influential relations are a help at every stage of life, which struck me as very like Woodhouseian. <laughs> Just the the knowledge that contacts help. I did have a question. What is a pince-nez? It's glasses. Okay, but is it glass? Because I wrote, are these like monocles? No. Because <laughs> I'm I'm. Sh- straight up picturing Furby Smith with like a monocle. I, I, well, I will look it up, but I believe it's like the type that you basically put on your nose, but you don't have like the, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's a fashion choice. (laughs) Well, I mean, you got to remember this was, yes, that's, that's exactly. Okay. I feel like, I feel like a monocle makes more sense quite honestly. Yeah. Get the Um, term in your head because that does appear quite often in Woodhouse. 
Okay. Um, and then there was the use of the word austere or austerely. Oh, good. Because I, I had forgotten about it. I was like, oh, I don't recall him using it in this one. But I think there's at least two. Because I know there's one later in the book that I also highlighted. And then the other highlight for me was batting is one of those things which demand first and foremost a thorough belief in oneself. Which I'm like, I feel like you can take batting out and replace it with anything. And that's a good like mantra for yourself. Like I'm just trying to connect to this book anyway. I can, okay? <laughs> wow. Woodhouse said, believe in yourself. <laughs> My blow. <laughs> I appreciate you trying to grasp anything. <laughs> That'll get you through the cricket. We're going to have, I'm going to have to say at the end of this podcast, how many times I flip you off. <laughs> Was that two so far? Or did I yeah, miss? two so far. <laughs> <laughs> all right now you can go to chapter five <laughs> uh, based on a letter from his mother bob decides to be the watchful older brother which makes mike resentful which yeah sure. uh, particularly when he says that he has asked furby smith to keep an eye on him which like i said the the bag was amusing didn't it, it i don't think that was a motivating mm -hmm. factor in anything Bob overall treats Mike like a kid. And then Furby Smith calls Mike into a study and essentially calls a marauder that needs looking on. This all serves to make Mike want to get up to something. <laughs> after, after Wyatt says he can't come out with him, Mike crawls downstairs. He sees a gramophone. You understand what a gramophone is, right? I understand what a gramophone okay. is, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I, You're young. I figured I would just ask. But you know the sort of things that I read. <laughs> kind of insulted. <laughs> Look, I may not know much about cricket, but I know what a damn gramophone is. <laughs> I have been put in my place. <laughs> Mike sees the gramophone in his Woodhouse writes, and this was where the trouble began. Yeah. <laughs> Mike winds up the machine and it starts playing very loudly as a gramophone does yeah mr wayne the housemaster tries to come in but the room is locked mike opens the window to get suspicion off himself and then makes his way to his bed undetected but then he realizes that why it's out and may still be caught i will also mention in here that woodhouse talks about raffles which is aj raffles a gentleman thief he, he, Mike's thinking what he can do, so he's thinking, what would Raffles do? Mm -hmm. uh, he was created by E.W. Hornig, and that's Arthur Conan Doyle's brother-in-law. Oh. Which I'm actually reading uh, some of those short stories now. Nice. I, I don't think they're as good as the Sherlock Holmes stories, but <laughs> I've just started, so. Yeah. So I had, like, three notes for this one. <laughs> I highlighted when Mike was being talked at by, I believe, Furby Smith. <laughs> talked at is pretty good. <laughs> That's what's happening. And Mike was, <laughs> he was thinking, he was just at the age when one is most sensitive to patronage and most resentful of it. And I'm like, I feel that. <laughs> I mean, and it's like both Bob and Furby Smith pretty much did the best they could to make. Yeah. Inadvertently, I'm sure, but it's like, 
if they had a checklist to how to make Mike resentful, they were yeah, they they off. were hitting it. Well, plus Furby Smith kept like calling him like young man or something, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that would make me really angry too. <laughs> and then later on in the chapter, Mike had you know promised not to leave the house, and there was an end to it. And I wrote because I'm also a little rebellious when people tell me to do something, I want to do it more. And I wrote, I mean, he could still go though. Yes, he made a promise, but he was just thinking of rebelling and this would be the perfect way to do it. <laughs> I mean, he he did rebel and still not follow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So and then so this was this was something. I've shown in previous episodes how sometimes my modern lens slash romance reading lens sort of gets in the way of what Woodhouse is actually trying to convey. Okay. So I'm going to read you a quote. Okay. So long as the frontal attack was kept up, there was no chance of his being taken in the rear, his only danger. Now I'm just thinking you're just a 12-year-old Come boy. on. You're a 12-year-old boy. He's 15. Maybe that's why you're thinking that Mike was 12, because you were reading this being a 12-year-old boy. Come on. My my note. That my did way, not it, even cross my mind at all. My and note. I'm not <laughs> saying I'm a very mature person. I'm just saying <laughs> you're so much less mature than I am. Think of what type of books I typically read. <laughs> I like how you say that, and I'm going, oh, well, stuff they did back in the early 1900s is different than what Robbins used to. No, <laughs> you're making dirty sex joke. <laughs> Not dirty. <laughs> My note, by the Your way. Teenage boys, of course, of course, would be dirty. <laughs> My note, because I'm reading on my Kindle and I can do emojis, it's just a series of emojis. It's the the hands in front of the face, like peeking out, and then the, the tongue sticking out, and then the hot, sweaty face. <laughs> okay. That, Did you have any notes. other notes on this chapter? Nope, that was it. <laughs> Mike goes down and knocks on the door where Mr. Wayne is at the window looking out. Mike tells him he's heard a noise. The housemaster and Mike go back and forth in one of Woodhouse's normal routines as far as their conversation, where they seem to be talking at cross purposes. So Wayne suggests there's a burglar, and Mike counters that the burglar's burger. Jesus, I can't say this. <laughs> the burger's in the garden. Yum, 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 yum. Wayne suggests that there's a burglar. And Mike counters that the burglar is probably in the garden because he thinks that Wayne might search the house and then discover that Wyatt's not in his bed. Mike then just jumps into the garden and runs into Wyatt. He explains the situation. Mike climbs up to the room and Mike goes back to the dining room. And I, I also wrote here, unless I missed, we also learn here that Wayne is Wyatt's stepfather. At least that's the first time I noted it. But as yeah, you said, like... you think you saw it in the second chapter. I think so. Uh, after Wayne threatens the boys with punishment, the two of them go into bed having escaped being caught. I don't have any notes on this chapter. I mean, it, it, it was a very typical Woodhouse mm -hmm. chapter where there's a lot of back and forth and cross talk and mm -hmm. narrow. Yeah, no, I, yeah I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. But I just didn't have any notes on it. <laughs> 
chapter seven, I I got to be honest, this I I didn't really understand this chapter at all. Well, I don't have any notes on it, so I'm assuming I didn't either, but I won't know for sure until you go over the summary. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking, what I was going to do, but I forgot to do, was I was going to say, because in your video, like a few weeks past, you said that uh, you don't know uh, anything about the books until we start discussing it. I was just going to come up here. And go, <laughs> okay, today we're going to talk about hot, not hot water, but like a Leave it to Smith because you haven't read that one yet. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know a succinct way to say what we're doing. <laughs> well, you, you don't know anything about the book until you know that we're going to do it for the podcast. Okay, sure. But, uh, I was going to say. I was going to say until I read it, but that's all the books. <laughs> <laughs> In this chapter, two boys, Trevor and Klaus, I believe his name is pronounced. Discuss- oh, it's this one. Yeah. They're- yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this chapter was either. I, I mean, I don't it doesn't really it seem to serve much of a purpose. Yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, continue. Yeah, the two of them discussing Mike, why I'm not quite sure, except Klaus. I'm pretty sure, maybe Trevor, but whoever it is, one of them is kind of an ass. Yeah. Um I think it's Klaus. Yeah, I think it is too, because then Trevor goes to talk to Bob, and then Mm -hmm. Bob pretty much forgets what Trevor talked to him about, so... And that that was pretty much a chapter. This is... You know (laughs) what I think happened? Hmm. I'm remembering that these were serialized in in a magazine. Uh... I think Woodhouse had a word count, and he pulled a robin. It was just like... Just throw some stuff in there and get that word count up. No, no, no. Let's say he pulled a Dickens. <laughs> like, let's compare him to someone who's actually done that. Are you saying you haven't done that? In publishing. <laughs> but I've yeah. never been published or gotten paid for all my words, so. <laughs> and I don't do that anymore as much. I'm I'm sure I do it a bit. I don't do that <laughs> anymore as much. <laughs> I'm sure, I've been trying to be more aware of it. It's it's honestly so for people who don't know, which is everyone because we don't talk about this part of our lives. Dad and I both write. <laughs> Dad has many degrees with writing. <laughs> but I used to have Dad look over like my like school papers and stuff. And I would just repeat things with different wording to get a word count. But in my fiction writing, I try really hard to not do that. (laughs) May not be perfect, but now that I don't have to write school papers anymore, I think that I don't do that as much. (laughs) All right. So after (laughs) that needless chapter, really. Yeah. After a day of cricket and other activities, the boys at Riken... The school go to the town square and are being jared by some youth gangs of Riken, the town. Mm-hmm. And one of the townies threw a tomato, which hit Wyatt. And you... that is my only note for this chapter. Okay. Which is just highlighting the quote, words can be overlooked, but tomatoes cannot. Which, honestly, I like that line so much. I'm like, I want a tattoo of that. 
The two groups begin the fight. Eventually, the school begins to win, and the townies clear out until there are only two left. And the schoolboys decide to throw him into a pond. A, sure. poli- a policeman arrives and tells them to stop, but Wyatt, with righteous anger, still tries to toss them. They toss the first boy in, and as they try to toss the second, Constable <laughs> Butt seizes the boy, and the boy grasps onto him, making the policeman also go into the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of figured as soon as like, oh, I'm gonna have to say Constable Butt. Yeah, and then Robin's gonna giggle. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I don't have done feel that comfortable being the mature one here. <laughs> weird. He had to have done that on purpose, right? I mean, maybe. Was the word but used in this context back then? Uh, I don't recall seeing in any of his writing, but he didn't really use that type of language in his writing anyway. I mean, True. the worst you get out of him is a few hells and dams. Well, you get ass in here a lot. Yeah, but... But that's more like donkey than... Yeah. But... Sorry, the Red Bull's kicking in. I <laughs> I started drinking Red Bull before we started recording because I knew the cricket was going to make me really tired. <laughs> and I made Dad do a spit take. <laughs> I did not. I... I, I didn't do a spit take earlier. I let you have that one. Anyway... <laughs> Chapter 9, Woodhouse begins this chapter by comparing a row, or I guess a row. How would we pronounce that for a fight? A row or a row? I would say a row. I would probably say a row. Although, if someone said row, I, I would know what they meant. Yeah. So, I think either one's acceptable. Uh, Woodhouse compares it to a prairie fire, and noting that he had already compared it to a thunderstorm. But both comparisons may stand. In dealing with so vast a matter as a row, there must be no stint. <laughs> I just We just really like the way that Woodhouse writes. <laughs> I like the way he, he'll break the fourth wall every once in a while and just mm-hmm. say, listen, pal. <laughs> I know I compared it to a thunderstorm. <laughs> I know I compared it to a thunderstorm earlier, but now it's a prairie fire. <laughs> Constable Butt goes to the headmaster and says the schoolboys threw him in. <laughs> but says what, there a, were, what a tattletale. And he also says there are a couple of hundred of boys. I know. <laughs> he does there say a couple of hundred. <laughs> and I was like, there was like maybe ten. Uh, the headmaster accepted Butt's statement. <laughs> I'm so glad we're going to get past this chapter because I don't believe the constable. He doesn't show up again. He doesn't show up again. Right. Woodhouse points out that the headmaster, not being a motorist, did not know that police statements in the matter of figures must be divided by any number from two to ten. What did, what does that mean? It means if he says that there were what did I say a couple of hundred, that yeah. means that there were more likely No, uh, yeah, no. I, I don't understand how the headmaster not being a motorist factors into it well because the policeman would put a pull a motorist over and say you were doing 25 and you're doing 15 oh okay Uh, okay he's saying that police exaggerate okay because i was just like what is 
driving have to do with it? But I guess that makes more sense. Well, uh, being a headmaster, there's unlikely that there would be other circumstances in which he and a policeman would mm-hmm. have to converse. So, sure, yeah, driving is the equal opportunity mm-hmm. <laughs> there. The headmaster decides to cancel a planned holiday because a member of the royal family gets well. Um, yes. I don't know if this is actually a person. I think if it is, I believe it's Edward the Eighth. Okay. Based on the time frame. Yeah. But that was just a little bit of trivia that I was interested in. It doesn't matter at all to the book, but <laughs> okay. Wyatt tells another boy, Neville Smith. There's a lot of Smiths in this there's book. A lot of Smith. And of course, there's Smith in the next book. Wyatt says he's still gonna take the holiday. And uh, Neville Smith rallies other boys. Do you have any notes on that chapter? I just have, I just highlighted when the public, the holiday is canceled. I just highlighted the school's attitude can be summed up in three words. It was one vast blank astounded, here I say. <laughs> um, and I, I really liked that because I'm like, I'm just imagining the entirety of the school be like, oh. I, I don't think we need that type of language on our podcast, Robin. I know. I'm terribly <laughs> sorry. I noticed, by the way, because the hot water came out today. And I noticed that all three podcast episodes I ranked as explicit. <laughs> well, we, and by we, I, I mean mainly you. Yeah. You curse a bit. Because I, I, well, I definitely curse in hot water. But even in the first one, I think I gave it explicit because I had said dick a couple of times. <laughs> so I'm like, somehow a podcast about P.G. Woodhouse is explicit all the time. <laughs> it's just funny because generally I don't curse that much unless I'm in a car. But you you are a bad influence. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was all you had on that chapter? That's all I had. <laughs> okay. Uh, the day boys, the ones for whom Riken is not a boarding school, uh, roughly a dozen or so of them, uh, show up to school and find no one around. Mr. Spence talks to a few of them and then goes to the common room where a dozen or so other masters are also perplexed. I, I did kind of find it interesting that Woodhouse... Maybe more interesting to me because I have more experience with it. But then he kind of shows us this through the master's eyes, where usually the master in these type of books are the antagonist. And it's yeah. like, oh, you're kind of showing them as like people. Humans. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and that that was that chapter. Chapter 10? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I had a, I had did have a note. I decided, much like my beloved Octave from last episode, that I decided that I liked Mr. Spence. Who oh, was one I of thought the you masters. were going to say Constable Butt again, just so you could say Butt. <laughs> no, one of the masters. I, I wrote, okay, I like Mr. Spence. He's chill because when all the masters are all together, he's just like. He's calling the, all the kids leaving there. He's like, it's a revolution. But he's like very jokey about it. Well, it, I, I found it kind of funny that, you know, 
among the masters themselves, some of them were kind of acting like schoolboys. Just, yeah. You know, you see them kind of like tisk tisk and yeah. young men should not do this. And then when they're among themselves, they're just as goofy. Also, I think at some point in here, mm-hmm. I lost a chapter. So it, not not yet, but coming up. Okay. <laughs> like around chapter 18 through 23, I think I either I just did two chapters together okay. and didn't number it correctly or not. But it's probably one of the cricket ones. It could be because like this next chapter, chapter 11 and 12. I just put them together because... Okay, that's fine, because I don't have any notes on 11. All right. The headmaster calls Roll and then releases the masters. The boys who play hooky went to a town about five miles away. A little time later, after some of the boys felt they would escape punishment, a list goes up of boys who were given extra lessons containing the names of 400 boys. (laughs) It turns out that the younger boys were tan. They got a whooping. Mm -hmm. Uh, The extra is also on the day of the MCC, which is essentially pros match. Uh, Wyatt suggests to Burgess, the cricket captain, that he let Mike play. Mm -hmm. So that's chapters 11 and 12. Okay. Like I said, I don't have anything on 11. I have a couple on 12. Okay. So when Mike is talking about getting tanned, I just made a comment about like, ah, the days of corporal punishment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, we haven't really talked about it a lot in Woodhouse mm-hmm. because it just hasn't come up, but there's just a lot of, like, changes in how things are are done, which I will bring up later specifically for one point. But it, it, that one, is, that is one close enough that I've actually mm-hmm. experienced that sure. in my life. Where Not I, in mine. Huh? Not in mine. Yeah. No, I... I yeah, I was very young. Yeah. I believe it was the third grade or so. Yeah. You know, so it's something that's in my experience, but obviously stuff like that, that you have to look at the book like, well, that was the early 1900s. That was how things were done. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things you can just look at it and like, well, well, better them than me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have that thought, but okay. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> My next part, which you're going to shake your head at. <laughs> oh, he, he just went ahead into the pose. My note, I'll say my note first, and then I'll tell you the quote. My note was, Plum, stop making me ship people. I used his nickname. You said ship, right? Yes, ship. Okay. I was like, is this the bear we're, thing again? Yeah, we're not going to get it back into shitting bears or anything. Okay. I said ship. Like relationship. Okay. Don't um, who. Billy and Wyatt. Burgess and Wyatt. I guess if you want to think about it that way. Because okay, so the quote is literally, "Dear old Billy," said Wyatt. Come on, give me a kiss and let's be friends. It's just the way two boys. I don't care. <sighs> I... I read predominantly queer romance. And when I see something like that, I'm like, ooh. I told you you were going to shake your head. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> did you have oh, any No, I have, I have one more. <laughs> okay. So the 
the quote is what are you sitting on my left shoe no there it is in the corner and i was curious is this a saying or a genuine question i think it was a genuine question he was looking okay too okay because i'm like within the context of like the dialogue i didn't know if it was like are you pulling my leg sort of thing no i i think the oh there it is was an indication that he was actually looking for a physical shoe okay because okay. <laughs> I, I, I was just you like, said that i was like no yeah no, i don't because it think so. that makes it makes sense i've never like, heard that before so i just went on he was looking okay. for a physical shoe well there are plenty of things looking, like around the room yeah he's like getting dressed but like there are also plenty of things in woodhouse i've never heard of so i can't really operate under the assumption that they're all genuine i think you just like asking questions that make me just kind of go huh <laughs> <laughs> look our brains think differently okay i'm over here shipping people and <laughs> giggling about butts <laughs> I mean, how could you not he is an officer of the law so he should have been punched in the face i mean we've seen that happen in other woodhouse novels oh okay i was like oh <laughs> Robin being violent. No, no, I'm just (laughs) relying on previous Woodhouse experiences. Not only does Robin hate cricket, I don't hate cricket. I don't understand it. I'm not a huge fan of the law. Like I said, I'm a little bit of a rebel. So, (laughs) like Like the the jaywalking sort, like Jiminy Cricket size, maybe. (laughs) Go to the next chapter. I thought the law in the. The day of the MCC match, uh, Mike C. Saunders is playing for them. It's This is the first real game of the novel. Yeah. All right. Let's strap in. <laughs> so we need to talk about some terms. <laughs> um, a Yorker is a bounce ball which hits the pitch near the batsman's feet. Okay. Basically, because the guy's hitting it, you want to try to yeah. get as close to him as possible to make it inconvenient for him yeah bob is having trouble in the field one batter is out because of lbw leg before wicket which basically means <sighs> that okay the bowler yes through it and not only is he, he, he throwing it he's also trying to knock the bales off with the yes thing if the batsman blocks it with his yeah. body without really having any uh, ability to hit it. Yeah. That's, they're called out because you can't do that. Oh, okay. Also, they're not called out. What happens is that the opposing team basically has to point it out because generally the referee, I think it's a referee or umpire. I think it's actually an umpire. Umpire. The umpire won't make a call unless he's asked. Okay. Yeah, so sometimes you can get away with something if the opposing team doesn't point it out. Point it out. Okay. I already said what a wicket is. The yes. wicket consists of three stumps and two bales. Oh, yeah. I, I talked about the different lengths that a cricket game can be earlier. Here it seems to be times as the stumps would be drawn, which it just means they basically take the field down or whatever or pull the stumps up. <laughs> At a quarter to seven. And I believe they started at 10. So, okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, 
it's not a five day game, but it's a long game. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, I believe I already explained to you off podcast earlier, but the five day game isn't just five straight days. They 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 get to sleep and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't think this game was played for literally like three hundred hours. Having having players pass out on the field <laughs> that would make it really interesting. Like, oh, oh no, no. hit with the ball! It's just like, oh no, he couldn't catch it. He's passed out. <laughs> Woodhouse mentioned lobs here, which I'm still not positive about. I researched this. I spent way too much time researching this. Yeah, Dad did a lot more work trying to understand cricket than I did. Because the terminology I see for this either means underarm bowling rather than overhead, which they usually I do. thought underarm bowling was illegal. It, it is illegal now, I believe. Okay. It it was there was a time where it wasn't illegal, and there was a time where it was actually the main method of bowling. Okay. It could also possibly mean, and I don't think it means this, but possibly what I was talking about earlier when they rolled mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the ball. Okay. Or it could also be what we actually think of the lob is where you kind of throw it in an arch. Yeah. And and try to get them that way. So they do lobs, but I'm not really sure what they mean for the novel. Okay. Because I I looked it up and Wikipedia gave me different things, and I looked on YouTube, and I got different things. The, you know, because it basically says loves underarm pitching, and then I look at underarm pitching, and then it gave me to that one controversial one mm-hmm. like forty years ago, and then I'm just like, I have watched way too much old cricket that I don't understand. God, I would hate to see say, your YouTube algorithm. Huh? I would hate to see your YouTube algorithm. Oh. It, it, I, I'm not going to talk bad about YouTube, but I, I I often go like, should I watch this video that I'm only interested in for this one thing? Because <laughs> then it's going to start showing me a bunch of other stuff that I'm not interested in. And now I shall remove myself from my soapbox. <laughs> but anyway, all that to say, Mike gets in, Sondra bowls to him, maybe kind of doing Given it easily for him. Yeah. And Mike gets the team to a draw in the game. Yeah. So a couple couple things. So his Mike's brother Joe is there. Yes. I, and Joe's like 20. I I yeah. Let's somewhere around there. Yeah. Somewhere around there. He's older than Bob. Why is he playing against a school team? He's on the pro team. Apparently they they just do this. Yeah, that was that was my question. I literally wrote, so wait, Joe was a pro and is playing against a school team? I mean, it could Like, just... that feels a little unfair. <laughs> well, I mean, like, te- teams in the U.S. do stuff like that sometimes. Like, like the okay, the Olympic Dream Team will sometimes play, like, college teams. Okay. It, it, it's basically a form of practice for them. Okay. I wasn't aware that that was a thing. So, okay. <laughs> it, it, it just still strikes me as a little unfair, but all right. We have to remember, at this point, I'm also thinking that Mike is 12. <laughs> so. 
feels really unfair. I'm going to kick your butt, you little punk. <laughs> yeah. My other note was literally at the end of the chapter, I have no idea at all what happened in this chapter. <laughs> I, I, I like that I explained so much about cricket in here. It's I wrote that cool. note before you started talking. Yeah. I wrote that no, note when I was no, reading. But... Child. <laughs> no, I, I just like, I looked at it, I wrote all this stuff, and basically what the chapter entailed was my got them a draw in, in the game. Yeah. It's like all this stuff about cricket, and then that's what I wrote about what actually happened in the game. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. That it, was it, it. It, this was the easy cricket chapter. Yeah. All right. Furby Smith calls Mike into his study and tells Mike not to get a swelled head. Later in the game, Furby Smith runs for a single in a tent. Temp Woodhouse says no sane man would attempt. You don't have to run when you hit the ball if you don't feel like you will make it. So basically what Woodhouse is saying is Furby Smith hit the ball, mm -hmm. but there's no way that he would have made it before they they knocked the bail down. So yeah. he shouldn't have attempted it. Okay. Then Furby Smith says it was an easy run because Mike's the other batsman in this. Mm -hmm. And Mike thinks he's grinning at him and tells him not to laugh, calling him a grinning ape. And of course, you can't do that to like the, the upper classmen and the prefects yeah. and yeah. So <sighs> Furby Smith goes to Burgess and wants to call a prefects meeting on Mike. Burgess thinks it's a little much, but says he will think about it. Mm -hmm. That's that chapter. My only note was <laughs> saying, you know what? I get it. When Mike is thinking like how awful Furby Smith is and because the main thing was like Furby Smith continued to address Mike merely as a small boy. And that was like, I get it. I, I get why I, you don't like him. <laughs> I think Furby Smith, as I believe probably a lot of prefects around this time, kind of has a naturally condescending manner. Sure. I don't necessarily think that he's trying to be an ass. No, but that doesn't good. mean that he's not an ass. Yeah. No, he he is, but it's it's not malicious. Sure. It's still if you're on the other side of it, obviously you're like, guy's an ass. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Burgess goes to talk to Bob, although he doesn't want to since he dropped Bob off the team in favor of a bowler. And also Burgess and Bob are very good friends. So Burgess has the conflict of friend versus team captain. He asked Bob to talk to Furby Smith. Bob talks Furby Smith down and Mike apologizes to him. Furby Smith lets him know that it was Bob who saved him. So Mike fakes a sprained wrist so, so that Bob will get to play in the game. So on that chapter, oh, I just, I highlighted one of the instances where Mike was like being a good brother mm -hmm. uh, where he was going over the thought process of like, Oh, well, Bob saved me and, and you know, I could fake an injury. So he gets to play in the next cricket match. 
And so <laughs> it was just like at any other time, Mike would have heard Bob called a beast without active protest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I highlighted pretty much the entire paragraph because I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, Bob isn't a beast. Stick up for him. Help him out. Be a good brother. And so that, that made me happy. <laughs> Mike's Uncle John comes to visit. John says he wants to. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, what happened? Sorry, I was looking at my notes for this next chapter. And uh, I forgot about one of them. Okay. <laughs> Maybe next time, stay away from the Red Bull. I don't know. I think it's making this interesting. All right. Uh, John says he wants to take a look at the wrist, and then he realizes that Mike is faking. Mike explains they go back and find out that Riken won, and Bob did decently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, so what I laughed at <laughs> is um, it's like the first paragraph of the chapter. But Wyatt is back from a game, I think. I don't know. Um, but he, Wyatt says, I should think he'd go off his nut. And I, all I wrote was, and I'm not trying to be dirty. I just wrote different meaning. Yes, different meaning. You know, you have access to Google. It's not like you can't. Dad, if I type. Get off his nut into Google. I don't want to see what comes up. Well, he didn't say get off his nut. He said he off said his nut. Off his nut. Go yeah. off his nut is what he said. And I'm supposed to read that and be like, hmm? context clues, man. What? Give me the context. Tell me what he's actually saying because the context does not give me a lot. <laughs> Okay, what's another word for somebody being nuts? Oh. So if he's going off his nuts, he's like, Okay. I'm going to have to, like, go through all these books beforehand and find all the words that you could turn dirty so that I'm, so that I'm ready for them. <laughs> Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, because there's also a lot of school stories, so there's going to be a lot of use of the F word, which doesn't mean... It doesn't mean... Yeah. But it also doesn't mean the other context in which I'm familiar with it. No. Because I, I have that highlighted somewhere else in Yeah, the basically, it's it's like a younger boy who basically has to do what you tell him to. Like a whipping boy? Essentially. Okay. Still not great, but yeah, okay. I, I knew I was like, well, I know they talk about cigarettes and they use that. Yeah, term. yeah, but I, I was but like, they're I, not talking about cigarettes here. <laughs> so <'cause laughs> I, I could see you going, they're gonna smoke that kid. <laughs> no, I, I have that highlight somewhere else, and I, I was just like, Well, I'm glad I preempted that. <laughs> no, my my question that one was not going to be dirty. My question was gonna be like, what do they mean? Because they clearly are not talking about cigarettes. Yeah, no. That and I'm fairly certain they're not talking about a homosexual man. <laughs> no, surprisingly, Woodhouse did not appear comfortable with... I don't know, man. He's talking about these two guys kissing <laughs> yeah. in another short story. He's talking about, like, borrowing clothes and getting nice. Well, I, 
I wouldn't say that he was homophobic. I would say he's just no. not comfortable. He's not comfortable with sex at all in, in his novels and apparently perhaps in his own life. Yeah. You know, he he was in the English man in the early 1900s. So, I mean. Yeah, not supposed to be comfortable with much. Yeah. Oh, I just, I also highlighted where <laughs> Burgess is like, or is it Burgess? Yeah, it's Burgess, um, where he's just very blunt, and he's like, look here, Bob, your feeling sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of the things where, I mean, like I said earlier, they're they're very good friends, so mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. with your friend, you just, you know, brutally honest. <laughs> also, so something that you, you didn't mention is that, like, there's a, a vacancy in the team. Because some of them got chicken pox. That's in the next chapter. Well, it starts in this chapter. Oh. There's mention of it. Because what I have highlighted is he went about his lawful occasions as if there was no such thing as chicken pox in the world. But all the while, the micro was getting in some unostentatious un but clever work. And I'm like... <laughs> talking about a virus like yeah. well, <laughs> there there was a lot in here like i could have like expanded on a lot, lot sure, of things. yeah but since our podcast seems to be fairly long as it is it's like yeah we're already at an hour and a half yeah i i want to just like yeah cover this and then we talk about the chapter if, yeah it, if i wrote down like everything of content. yeah no i i wasn't like i wasn't like digging at you i was just saying like oh you didn't mention this that's it i quit now. no uh. <laughs> that's all i had chapter 17 chicken pox takes out a few players so mike moves up and when players do come back it's agreed that either mike or bob will have to drop bob overhears that mike is likely to be the one to stay on the team he tells bob when he gets Back, Mike sees that Furby Smith has put out a notice that all players in the house have to turn out for house fielding at 6.30 in the morning. Chapter 18, and you could just cover notes in chapter 17 and 18 after this. Mike isn't good at getting up, as we saw in the first chapter of the book. He wakes up and decides to get another 15 minutes. He decides to just continue sleeping. Furby Smith is enraged and calls Mike to answer. Mike said he overslept, but he's unable to lie that he hadn't woken up first. Indignant, Burby Smith pulls out a swagger stick and asks Mike a question, which Mike is determined not to give in. There is no description, but it's clear Furby Smith has hit him repeatedly. Mm -hmm. uh, Wyatt lectures Mike about discipline, which is amusing considering. So, yeah, like of all the people that should be lecturing Mike, Wyatt is not that person. Yeah. So uh, notes on chapter 17 and 18. So I only have notes on chapter. Oh. You were right about the chicken pox happening in chapter 17. Hmm. I, apparently I did not have notes on chapter 16. And I huh. skipped ahead. Oh, okay. So I already gave my notes on chapter 17 Excellent. as a prequel. Um, <laughs> chapter 18. <laughs> I was confused why. The players were confused by a slow lift hander. Yeah, life's confusing. 
Okay, sounds good. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I well because oh, the only thing I can say is left-handers are super awesome people, so there aren't as many of them in the world, so they're not used to them. For for everyone listening, Dad is left-handed. <laughs> um, and obviously. I assume that they're used to faster pitching. So I just say it's like they're not used to with canders and they're not used to slow pitching. I, that's sure. Yeah. That was my I, I was just... And I left it at that and I didn't put any further thought into it. <laughs> okay. I pretty much made it up. I'm like, but why is that confusing? <laughs> <laughs> so that's fine. And then I just had another note about how Bob was a good brother. And then that was my question about like, oh, is this the first time I'm seeing siblings actually interact in the Woodhouse? And yes, it is. I, I have seen it before, but generally not good. And if there is friendliness between them, it's usually because it's a brother and sister. Okay. And okay. Wood, Woodhouse himself didn't have sisters, so <laughs> I don't believe. Did he have brothers? He did have brothers. Okay. Woodhouse apparently did not get along with his brothers mm-hmm. or his parents. His parents were or at least definitely his mother are fairly cold people. <laughs> mm. So okay. that probably gives a little insight to how Woodhouse writes families. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Burgess has not yet put the list up for cricket. So when Furby Smith tells him about Mike Ditchin, he decides to play Bob instead. Bob gets a letter ho- from home, including uh, a note from Marjorie. And she ends up telling Bob about Mike's faked injury. Uh, Mike explains that it was because of what Bob did for him with Furby Smith before. You So you combined 19, 20, and 21. That's what you did. Did I? Okay. Yeah, because 21 is the letter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so in chapter 19, my only note was my question about the F word, uh, which we've talked about. And no, we're not going to say it because context clues you can figure out what we're talking about and we're not going to use slurs on our podcast rhymes with bag and if you can't get the yeah clue there um, then better you then, don't know it then you don't know the word and that's great <laughs> uh chapter 20 my i highlighted the first duty of a captain is to have no friends i <laughs> i really liked burgess i was like i liked how like one he's very dry he's very blunt He's very like, you know what? My role as a captain comes first. <laughs> I, I gotta say, honestly, I I can understand why Woodhouse said this is his favorite novel. One, mm-hmm. because he, he's a big fan of cricket. But also, like, well, compare the friends in this, like, sure, to, like, Birdie's friends. Sure, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the friends, in, the friend dynamics in this book are, are one i think realistic but two like way better than some of the other woodhouse books that we've read yeah i i think you you this is where you see a little bit of uh woodhouse's nostalgia for mm-hmm. you know his for school days. Yeah. yeah uh my other note for chapter 20 was that furby smith is a dick <laughs> <laughs> I know he didn't do it intentionally, but he totally screwed Mike over after already beating him. Yeah. Yeah. I was interested that you kind of skipped over that part because I thought you were going to have some comments about that. I I guess you just kind of go, well, yeah, that happened. 
back in that time. So. Yeah, like that. I I made my comment about corporal punishment before. Although mm. I do find it a little odd that like a schoolmate got away with the corporal punishment. Like I, I still from, like, he's basically oh sure he's still like of, an authority. Yeah, in that type of setting, yeah, he's looked at as a an authority figure. Okay, my note in chapter twenty one. Oh, I just made a note about how Mike was, you know, he, he was upset about not making the team and that, that Bob had made it. But then, like, by the time the morning bell rang for, like, I'm assuming, like, morning tea or something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I, by that time, so, like, a couple hours, Mike was just sitting up and taking nourishment and he wasn't all that bothered by it anymore. And so I, I, I liked that, that he could look at it and be like, yes, it sucks for me, but Bob is on the team and I'm happy for him. And then my other note was, because this, <laughs> this is the part where I decide that I don't like Marjorie anymore because yeah. she, okay, I'm going to read you the quote. One, she has horrible grammar. It's just a huge run on sentence. But <laughs> two, the Grim quote is... Marian. You call me a grammarian? Yes. Oh, okay. Nobody must tell you because it wouldn't be fair if you got your first for you to know that you owed it to Mike and I wasn't supposed to hear it, but I did because I was in the room, only they didn't know I was, so I'm writing to tell you. So she knows. She overheard her uncle and her dad talking. She knows that this is a secret. She knows that it would hurt Bob's feelings. And she's like, I'm going to tell him anyway. I'm like, dude. Okay. But see, you're getting that attitude about somebody that you were so happy basically dripped a sponge onto somebody to because wake them up. That's funny. That's not gonna <laughs> That's not gonna hurt someone's feelings. Like <laughs> there's those two things are very different. And so I just <laughs> I, I like that this podcast is allowing us to see the moral settings of Robin here. <laughs> so I just wrote. That's funny. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. But my, my note on that was just like, this was before we were talking about ages, but I was like, how old is she? Cause it seems really mean if she's older than like five. But now that I know she's like 14, I'm like, okay, you're I mean, just a dick. <laughs> I gotta say when you're reading that, I know you're saying about running senses. It was like, that actually sounds a little political there. <laughs> it's like, kind of damn. Well, that, that, <laughs> that's how you have to read it, though, because there's no grammar in it. <laughs> so there's no breaks. Like, I didn't breathe that entire sentence because it's one run-on sentence. Anyway, that, that, was, that was my note. All right. Uh, Wyatt talks to Neville Smith about going to a party at uh, Neville Smith's after hours uh, to celebrate him getting on the team. Uh, he climbs down into Mr. Appleby's garden, who is another housemaster. Unfortunately, Appleby is in his garden at the time and sees Wyatt and recognizes him. Appleby knows it's his duty to report it to the headmaster, but in thinks, instead thinks it's better to go to Wayne. So in chapter 22, I don't remember what the context was that he was, Wyatt was thinking this. I don't know. At some point, I had to try really hard to concentrate on the book. <laughs> but the, I highlighted a quote 
And it says, well, well, he said, if I cannot compel circumstances to my will, I can at least adapt my will to circumstances. I decided to remain here, which I just really liked because I deal a lot with people and, and helping them to change their expectations. And so I was like, that's a really good way to say that. <laughs> so I just I just really like that. I like that why it is uh mindful. Somewhat. <laughs> so somewhat. And then I was in the next chapter, I was confused because I think I glossed over the part where Wyatt was like talking about what his plans were after the term ended, about like having to go work in the bank. Mm-hmm. And so I was confused when his punishment was to go to the bank. <laughs> I was like, why, why is he being punished for being sent to the bank? <laughs> but it's because that was already his, his plan was that he was going to work at the bank after term. And so he just got sent two weeks early. Yeah. Yeah, so that was just my my confusion. I'm like, this is a weird-ass punishment. <laughs> when Appleby tells him Wayne is a bit unbelieving and you get more of the typical back-and-forth Woodhouse mm -hmm. talk, Wayne goes upstairs and sees that Wyatt's bed is empty and that one of the bars is missing. He sits down on Wyatt's bed and waits. He decides not to tell the head, headmaster but decides that Wyatt will st still leave the school and go to work in a bank, as you said. Mm -hmm. Mike wakes up, and Wayne snaps at him to go back to sleep. Obviously, Mike cannot sleep with a housemaster sitting on the bed there. So the two of them just wait in the dark until Wyatt finally comes into the room. For like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I have chapter 25 and 26 together. Okay. Right. Wayne and Wayne. There's too many W's. Too many W's. Try saying Wooster. Wyatt, Wayne and Wooster. <laughs> Wyatt and Wayne go down to the study. Wayne tells Wyatt about the bank. Mike tells Burgess the next day about Wyatt and then talks to Bob. Mike is disappointed at the way others are taking the news, particularly at Burgess, not knowing that Burgess uh, wrote a letter to Wyatt that night. However, Neville Smith is distraught, blaming himself, so much so that he tells the headmaster about it, and he gets extra on the game day. Bob talks to Mike about talking to their father and seeing if he can offer Wyatt a job in the Argentine instead of at the bank. Mike says he will contact his father. His father has business in the Argentine. So, Okay, so chapter 25. <laughs> You're going to shake your head again. <laughs> It's at the end of the chapter, and uh, it's after Wyatt has been talking to Wayne. <laughs> Sorry, I saw that pick up his Diet Coke. Reconsider it as I continue talking. <laughs> so it's after Wyatt has talked to Wayne and, you know, figures out what his punishment is going to be. Wyatt comes back up to the room, and he's changing for bed, and, and Mike asks what happened. And pretty much Wyatt says, you know, He's going to go to the bank. He's like, I I will become the gay young bank clerk all among the ink and ledgers. And I know what it means. I know. But I just thought it was funny. <laughs> and then my other note is in chapter 26, there's austere. So there's officially two in the book. 
we I don't think we've run into a book yet that doesn't have it in there. Yeah. Mike gets a letter back from his father saying that uh, his father will go see Wyatt. Wyatt writes Mike about his bank job, which, spoiler alert, we'll get more experience with the bank in a future novel with Mike. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it had rained the night before, the, so those batting first would have a decent job of it. But once the ground started to dry, it would be more difficult. Ripton, the other team, wins a toss and wants to stay at bat as long as possible so that Riken is forced to bat after the ground has started to dry. A bunch of cricket stuff happened that I really wanted to explain, but even reading it multiple times, I'm not really sure. So let's just say Ripton done good. You read it multiple times? Yes. <laughs> so, notes? My only note. Your only note on this chapter. My last this, note of the book. On this cricket chapter. Oh, it's not even about cricket. Uh, it's, it's really not. I'm like, all right, this is just a bunch of cricket. I'm well, over it. I read that chapter multiple times. <laughs> and I skimmed it. <laughs> my only, my last note of the book was why it. You know, he's working at the bank now. Sent a letter recounting his first meeting with his boss to mm -hmm. Mike. And his boss is like, you're a, a sportsman. And Wyatt's like, yes, a cricketer. Oh, that's what they're called, cricketer. Yeah. Yes. Do you play football? Yes. Do you play rackets? Yes. Everything? Yes. And then the boss says, hmm, well, you won't get any more of that now. <laughs> and I just wrote, damn. Well, and again, spoiler alert, Mike works in a bank in a future novel, and he does play cricket, so. Well, that's fitting. But yeah, that was my last note of the book. Right. It was me writing literally G's next to that. <laughs> uh, DeFreeze, a Ripton player, apparently well-known for always smiling. Which... Yeah. Okay, I did read that, and that's creepy as hell. <laughs> like, the entire time, he's just grinning. And he doesn't stop. <laughs> like, it's that's freaky. <laughs> he's the last out for Ripton, who are up 166. Uh, things don't start well for Riken, as Morris, one of their best players, is out almost immediately for LBW, like before Wicket. Apparently because the bowler throws a googly, <laughs> which is a, a ball that spins from off to leg, which I don't know what that means. Unlike, I thought, unlike I a normal for, leg break delivery. I thought for a second you said off two legs. I'm like, how but is off. he bowling? <laughs> ow, ow. I'm picturing like the ball between his legs and then he does like a dolphin kick or something. So <laughs> I don't really know what happened. Mike finds himself up to bat and slowly chips away the score. The game ends at 172 to 166. Riken wins. Yeah. I'm sure for players and fans of cricket, that was probably a sitting on the edge of your seat 
chapter I was just trying to keep my head above water. I I, I drowned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were that meme of like <laughs> Woodhouse paying attention to cricket players and we're like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're just in the background just slowly drowning. Uh, so yeah. The triumph of the hero and we can't really appreciate it yeah i just lost a little because it's like i don't know what they're doing (laughs) there was so much cricket it was two straight chapters of like a a blow by blow play by play whatever you want to call it but i wanted to throw my phone across the room so i didn't have to read it anymore And, and i'm pretty sure it was those two chapters that dropped you a star it did it's um, real. It was really hard for me to be objective, considering you hate my cricket. brain hurt. I don't hate <laughs> cricket. I don't understand it. I stand by that. We're we're gonna have to just sit down and watch a a a, a t twenty cricket game. And... <laughs> it's not gonna make sense to me. You'll you'll have somebody there to explain it. You. (laughs) I didn't say I would explain it well. (laughs) Chapter twenty nine, final chapter. The Mike at Riken. Mike is back home after term. Mister Jackson gets a letter from his friend in Argentine. Apparently, Wyatt got shot in the shoulder. Although he's fine. He's fine. So is the other guy. Yeah, it, it it was. Although little, he did, get, he did get shot in the ankle. <laughs> yeah, it was a little weird. And the well, it wasn't really ending the book because the book is made up of the two yeah. different books. But it's just a little weird to end yeah. that part with basically an update on Wyatt, who, sorry, spoiler alert, I don't think we ever hear about again in Woodhouse. Oh. Um, it, it's possible that he's mentioned in another novel, but mm-hmm. I assume the mention is so insignificant Small. that I don't recall it. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll see when we get to those novels. The next chapter starts Mike and Smith, and that happens two years later, and it makes big changes for both Mike and for Woodhouse. Because Smith is a pretty big character in the Woodhouse. Although, not around for that long. He's around for four novels. Yeah. But pretty eventful novels. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I do want to know, since we're we're past novel, is if you can guess what novel that I know that you've read does this book remind me of? Not overall, obviously, because there are a lot of scenes that could be lifted from here. Uh, if you put name changes, it, that if you put it in this as a novel, are, are we talking about like a Woodhouse novel or just a novel in general? Novel. Is there anything else that this might remind you of? I don't think so. I mean, probably as soon as you say it, yes, but not off the top of my head. I didn't know I was going to be quizzed. I told you I was asking you a question. 
Go back to the beginning of the podcast. I mentioned that. I will. But I thought it was about the book. It is about the book. Apparently, this book and another book. Yes. I I, I have a hundred questions, so. Oh, God. I do not have <laughs> questions. I don't know. Uh, well, think about the setting and how sports plays such a big part of it. When I was reading this, I got reminded a little bit, obviously, in some ways not, of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I mean, sure. <laughs> you say that so reluctantly. <laughs> I, I I mean I I don't know I think that's reaching a little bit like okay it's at a boarding school and there are sports but and there's sports uh you you get the antagonists that take pretty much instant dislike to the main character the main character are you comparing Malfoy and Furby Smith a little I'm it's not a one to one comparison. Okay, because I was well, like, I don't think you can even do a one-to-one comparison with those two. The main character is, in a lot of ways, a uh, ordinary boy, gifted in a particular way. Sometimes get a li- little too full of himself. Sure. You know. Yeah. I'm. What I think, and I don't think that rolling like lifted from this because i'm sure yeah. if you had a bunch of different school stories yeah from this a lot of them would have the same kind of thing but it's just like i was seeing you know some sure. comparisons yeah i mean i guess i could see that i don't know that wasn't that wasn't where i went i'm i'm over here trying to think of like stephen king novel <laughs> what no because i said it was something you know you've only read like four stephen king <laughs> i know that's why i was like I mean, the only one that takes place in a school that I read is Carrie, and that really doesn't remind me of this. <laughs> and then Mike rained pig blood down on <laughs> So besides the cricket, was there anything else in particular that stuck out about the book? So much of the cricket. No, like I, like I said, I, I actually liked the sibling dynamic between Mike and Bob a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought that was actually pretty cool to see because like like I said, like this is my first experience seeing a sibling dynamic on page for Woodhouse. And I, I really liked how it felt real. Mm-hmm. Where like a lot a lot of things in, in Woodhouse don't necessarily strike me as realistic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that that makes sense. Yeah, so that that stuck out to me, and then also like like you brought up, like I liked the friendships. Like I, that's what I really liked about this novel was all the relationship dynamics within it. Not so much the cricket. <laughs> well, then it will be good for you that the next novel that we read is going to be Mike and Smith. We will unfortunately not see Riken again for reasons that will become evident in the first chapter of Mike and Smith. Okay. Um, We will see less of the family in this. I don't, well, one, Bob graduates anyways, Mm -hmm. but I don't don't think Bob plays much of a part in this novel at all. It's mainly going to be the new character, uh, Rupert Smith, 
he also goes by another name because he appears in a Blanding's novel, a Blanding's Castle novel, in which there's already a character named Rupert. So mm-hmm. sometimes okay. Woodhouse does that. He we use his name, but then if you get two characters that are supposed to have their name, he'll just change one of their names. <laughs> I, I forget what Smith's name in Leave It to Smith is. It's I think it may be I know his middle name's Eustace. I think his first name may be Ronald. But okay. so, but yeah, we get introduced to Smith and uh Mike's still the main character, but Smith plays like a much larger part in this than any of the characters in Mike at Riken mm-hmm. play. The he's almost a co-main character in this one. Mm-hmm. Whereas you, you wouldn't really say that about any of the other characters in Mike at Riken. Yeah. And he's fully a co-main character in Smith and the City. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of overtakes. <laughs> so that that'll be our next podcast. Mm-hmm. It's much less cricket. There is a yep. cricket game in here. But I believe it's only one chapter and I do not believe there was as much description <laughs> as there was in this book, which may be a sad thing for some of those of you who are big fans of cricket, which I'm sure that we would be if we understood it. Yes. We do not. No. You may not have gotten that in this podcast. <laughs> Robin and I, I do not understand cricket. Yeah, I don't know if we stated that explicitly enough. I think we did a pretty good job at hiding. I'll probably probably have to put that in the show notes as well. Of like, <laughs> warning, warn people. Robin and Scott do not understand cricket. We don't understand it. We think it's a lovely sport that we're too ignorant to understand. <laughs> pretty much, yes. So please, two point five billion people, do not come and attack us. <laughs> The only sport more popular is football, football. soccer. Yeah. Soccer. Soccer to Americans, but football to literally everyone else. Well, it makes more sense. I don't think that's one thing I agree with. I yeah. don't know why American football is called football. You, I don't wait, understand so either. Foot. <laughs> you, you use your foot for like a tenth of the game. Oh, if even that, yeah. If even that. Like the between the punting and then the... <laughs> <laughs> other arrogant of us yeah we're football too <laughs> the other the kicker i guess is just what he's called yeah the, kicker. the punter and the kicker yeah but between two of them like maybe 10 percent of the game so i don't understand why it's football but anyway <laughs> tangents <laughs> so that was mike at Riken. uh as i said we'll be back next time with mike and smith and thank you for listening to this podcast And we're so sorry to all the cricketers. Very sorry. Bye.